has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. Say that again. Say, I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I'm becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Slap three people high five and say it's time to live in purpose. Amen. All right. Well, my front row on this side is a little bit empty, so I need... I need at least three really good-looking people. I need a really good-looking couple from the back row to come forward. Wayne and Lily, maybe it's y'all. Y'all are really good-looking. Come on, come on, come and sit up here on the front row. Come on, come on, come and sit on the front row. And then I need one more person to come and sit right here. I'll give y'all a little space in between, but I need one more person. Wayne and Lily, right here on the front row. Now I need one more person to come and sit right here. One more, one more good. Now maybe point you out now. Let me call somebody from the back. Who can I call from the back? Single person I can call from the back. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, wonderful. That's good. That makes it feel a little sounding like the preacher snaggle tooth chair. I need it to be nice and filled in. Amen. All right. So we're ready to receive the word of God now. Can y'all also help me to uh, thank Kevin? Would y'all put your hands together for Kevin? <laughs> Get through it. 
You're, you're not going to smell like smoke. You're not going to look like where you've been. Amen, somebody. I don't know who that's for this morning, but you're not going to look like where you've been. Amen. And so God, God wants to be glorified, and our lives are the stage where God can get glory. So it's a constant surrendering to him. Not my will, but his will. You know, God is glorified in our integrity. He's glorified in our character. He's glorified when we reach out and care for others. You know, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So doing good works. You know, there's good works that God has ordained beforehand that we should be walking in. He predestined each of us and pre-programmed pre and scheduled each of us in the earth to bring glory to his name for just a real short season. The Bible says our, our life is, is like we're a flower here today and gone tomorrow. It happens that quick. You know, I don't know how in the world I got to be almost 67 years old. I still feel just like I'm 16 or 17. Come on, somebody. I don't know how in the world it happened, but life is short. And it seems like the older you get, the faster it goes by, right, Mom? The years just... It's like it was just 2017, just 2018, just a minute ago. And here we are already in 2020. So we have a short amount of time to really get with it. You know, some of us get a late start. Like I was, how old was I, 31 when I got saved? Yeah, 31 before I received Christ. So sometimes, you know, we get a late start. It's time to get with it. Amen. Amen. Because, you know, time is short. As we look at things happening on the news, we know that time is short. Jesus is coming. That, that he is coming, that the, the, the stage has been set for the return of Jesus Christ. And so we got to get busy making sure that we're in purpose, that we're living in purpose, which is the, the sub-series that we're in right now, which is living in purpose. So today I want to talk about that. Our number one first, first point is this. Our God is a God of purpose and planning. God has planned everything down to the last detail. He's already planned what already happened and already was written and spoken of because in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So the beginning, the Word was there in the very beginning as everything was created. It all unfolds in His Word. Hey, Ken, it's so cool when you think about it. It's like, oh my gosh, only God could do something so amazing. Everything that He pre-planned and foretold about Jesus Christ, it came, it came to pass. The only thing left to come past, of course, there's still many things to come to pass, but Him returning... Him returning. That it, just like everything else he said would happen, be born of a virgin, he'd be born in Bethlehem, he would, you know, live in Jerusalem, he would die a Nazarene, I mean, not die, but he would, be, he would grow up a Nazarene, he'd have long hair. You know, all the things that were spoken of him came to pass. And so down to every last dot and tittle, God has written it out what is going to happen. Amen? And so um, it, everything that's going to happen, you know, it's unfolding now in our lifetime. Amen. Amen. So God is a God of purpose and planning. What is purpose? Purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. It's intent. It means to plan, and it also means a design. How I many you know God intends certain things for you? Yeah. He's planned specific things for you. Psalm 33, 11 says, But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Job 42, 2. He says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Now, isn't that good news? So whatever God has planned for our lives, we're really the only person, only people who can keep it from happening right. by just choosing 
to not go along with the process. But it says, no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Isaiah 43, 13 says, yes, from the time of the first existence of day and from this day forth, I am he. And there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I will work. And who can hinder or reverse it? Message translation says, I've always been God and I always will be God. No one can take anything from me. I make and who can unmake it? Woo! That's good. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So number two, so number one, we know that God is a God of purpose and planning. Amen? And what he says, he's going to do it. He says, I will work, and nobody can hinder or reverse it. Amen? So number two, God planned and purposed my life before I was ever born. We just read that scripture as we were dedicating Brianna. And, you know, Psalm 139 is just such a beautiful scripture of how God knew us before we were ever here. Before we were ever in our mother's womb, God knew us. We, we were with God before the world was even here. Before the foundation of the earth, God talked to us, spoke us into existence. Before we ever materialized here on earth, he already knew us and already had plans and purpose for our lives. Psalm 139, 16. That's why there's no accidents, there's no incidents, there's no coincidences. I'm telling you, God planned each and every one of us. There's nobody here that's an accident. Amen. Can you turn and tell your neighbor and say, you are not an accident? Turn and tell your other neighbor on the other side and say, you are not an accident. God meant for you to be here. So Psalm 139.16, listen to this. <clears throat> listen, y'all. It says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Before I was formed, God saw my substance. He saw. He knew what I would look like. He knew where he wanted me to live, what accent I would have, geographically where he would place me. He already knew what color hair you were going to have, exactly the color eyes you have. You would only, you'd be the only person with those fingerprints. Now think about that. Amen. How many people there are, and yet there's no two with the same fingerprint. Close, but not the same. How many fingerprints can there actually be? A bunch. But God planned that. So before you were ever born, he already knew what your fingerprints were going to be. Woo, that's good. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me. When as yet, there were none of them. So God had a plan and a purpose for you. And he wrote it in his book. When there were no days, you hadn't experienced any days, that you weren't even a twinkle in your mama or your daddy's eye. He already knew who you were, and he wrote them down in a book. That's why every day you ought to say, God, what you've planned for me today in your book, let me walk out that day today. Instead of my day, let it be your day. Let your will be done in my life today, just like it is in heaven. And so here's Jeremiah 1, 5 through 8. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Would y'all underline holy plans? I had holy plans because, you know, we make our own plans. We make our own plans, do our own thing, but God has holy plans for us. He says, before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you, 
a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. But Jeremiah's like, wait a minute, hold it, Master God. Look at me. I don't know anything. I'm only a boy. And God told me, don't say I'm only a boy. I'll tell you where to go and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say and you'll say it. Don't be afraid of a soul. I'll be right there looking after you, God's decree. So right here I see something. Is that God can see some stuff in us that we don't see in ourselves. As I'm standing here telling you today you're not an accident, your past might be telling you you are an accident. Your low self-esteem, things that you've been through in life, maybe you came from the wrong side of the tracks, maybe you, you know, maybe you, maybe there wasn't even no tracks, it was so bad. <laughs> Wherever you came from, you know, you, you, your mind or, or things from your past might be telling you that, that it's just not possible that God could have. But you don't know, I've been in prison, Pastor Sally. You're in good company. Amen. So was Saul. Saul uh, uh, Paul. Saul, who was Saul? He, he, well, Paul, he called himself a jailbird. Because <laughs> he was in prison and jail every time he turned around. Moses was a murderer. He, was, he, he left Egypt after he murdered somebody. So, you know, God doesn't go after the biggest and the best and the baddest and the most socialite and the one with the most money and the best education. You could have more degrees than a thermometer and not be walking in purpose. Amen. God chooses the lowly things. He chooses the things that, that the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Woo, I'm glad to just be a foolish thing. I never finished high school, but yet here I stand teaching the word of God. Amen. Only God can pick you up turn you around, change your life around so you don't resemble anything that you used to be and turn you into something for his glory. Only God can do something like that. So don't you trip like Jeremiah was and say, look at me, I'm just a boy, or look at me, I'm just this or that. I said, don't you say that. I've called you with a holy calling. Woo, I've got my hand on you. I've already spoken it. And, it, and will I not make it come to pass? Amen, somebody. Y'all better come on and stand up and believe this morning that God has great plans and great purpose for you in your life. Amen. So that's why you ought to be getting in class on Sunday mornings. We have class, firm foundation. For those who are, are new believers or those who are new to our church, we'd like for you to go through firm foundation with Pastor Carolyn on Sunday morning. She's absolutely an amazing teacher. But you need to get a foundation in God's word so you know who you are. You know what your purpose is, just the foundational truth. But then when we send you into leadership development, we want to begin to shape you and show you what a servant of God looks like. Because Jesus came not to serve, but to, not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. And he said, you know what I've done for you today when you've been down and washed their feet, you ought to do it for one another. So we ought to all be serving and loving one another down to the very least of us, to the greatest of us. We ought to be serving one another. So we're going to show you how to serve like Jesus did. You know how Jesus could serve and, and bend down and wash the feet of the king of glory washed feet. You know how he could? The Bible says he knew where he'd come from. He knew who he was and he knew where he was going. See, if you're all high and mighty, you can't bend down and serve nobody. You don't really know who you are. You're saved by grace like the rest of us. Amen. So you know who you are. You don't have any problem putting on a, a servant's towel and bending down and washing people's feet. You don't have any problem. Amen. Serving one another. Getting here early. Well, other people still in bed. Yeah, I'm up because I'm here to serve the Lord. And to serve others as unto the Lord. It's part of my purpose. It's part of my calling. It's part of who I am. Until you find out what your whole divine purpose is, whether you have uh, uh, you know, a ministry gift, a five-fold ministry gift, which, which lots of you do have those five-fold ministry gifts, and we got to raise you up. Until then, find something to do 
God, as if it was Jesus' feet you were washing. Amen. We ought to have us just a good old foot washing. Y'all so quiet right there. Look at you. Pastor, I don't do feet. <laughs> Amen. Jeremiah 1.17. Look what God told Jeremiah. He said, listen to this. Ooh, this got me this morning. Say exactly what I tell you to say. Don't pull your punches or I'll pull you out the lineup. Y'all know I raised that and put it back in? Said, That's too hard. We need to hear that. He said, say what I said for you to say, or I'll pull you out the lineup. Ooh, I don't want to be pulled out the lineup. I don't want to go back to living an ordinary life, just living life and not in ministry and letting the power of God use me every single day. You know, political correctness will have us pulling punches. They got us so afraid to say the name of Jesus, so afraid to speak the scriptures, so afraid, I mean, but, but, the, you know, the, uh, the hundredfold comes with persecution. The hundredfold comes with persecution. You've got to know how to be persecuted. And if you're in Christ, you're going to be persecuted. If, he's, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. It's part of who we are. But we, but we cry loud and spare not. Amen? Cry loud and spare not. We speak the name of Jesus unashamed. Like, like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus yeah. Christ, for it's the power of salvation. Yeah. So we can't be ashamed of the word. We can't be afraid to say what the word says. Amen? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get pulled out the lineup. You know, and don't speak against what God has planned for your life. Amen? Don't say I'm too old. Don't say I'm too young. Don't say I'm not educated. Don't say I'm too educated. I can't be doing that. I'm too educated. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. Would you write that down? He doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the call. Amen. So just keep saying yes and let him keep equipping you. Come to class on Sunday mornings at 930 and let us equip you. You just show up by the door that's got Pastor Carolyn's name on it. As you come in on the right-hand side, as you come into the sanctuary, just be here at 930 and go in and sit down. Amen. And she'll give you everything you need. Amen. So God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. So you've got to present yourself for equipping through the word of God. The word of God is how we get equipped. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is good and profitable for, for, the, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now that's the, the fivefold ministry. But the, but the scriptures are there to, to build us up, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Amen. So we've got to be getting the word of God. And he equips us through his word and he'll equip you. Oh, I believe me. He will equip you. Some of the stuff you're going through right now is equipping. Yeah. Equipping. Because yeah. otherwise you wouldn't be bothered with people. Amen. <laughs> hey, I know, I know, I know what I'm talking about. Number three. Amen. We've been created with predestined kingdom purpose. Amen. Kingdom purpose. Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You know, I I've, um, have a creative edge. To, to me, I'm a very creative person. Even as a child, I was very creative. And um, when I uh, got old enough to work, I went to work for Olin Mills Portrait Studio, and they pulled me out of the phone room and asked me to try out to be the photographer because the photographer quit. So I said, well, okay. I mean, I didn't even have a high school education. I'd been homeless most of my time as a teenager. So I really didn't have much hopes of having a great career. But they pulled me out because of favor of God. Yeah. On your life will make up the difference yeah. for stuff that you've gone through. God's yeah. favor is amazing. So they came and got me out 
and pulled me in and said, we're gonna give you a test and let you see if you can be the photographer. I passed the test, I focused on a stuffed monkey. It was upside down and backwards in the thing and whoa, either you can figure that out or you can't, but they showed me how to turn the knobs and, and focus and I, I did it and they said, you got the job. So I got the job and within a year they came and told me I was the number one studio in the entire region at the age of 18. So I had a gift that I didn't know about. I guarantee you today there's some of us sitting here that have got some gifts that you've not discovered yet or you haven't discovered how to use them yet or where to use them to benefit others. So I became a photographer. I worked there for three years, moved to Houston, worked down right down 1960 on uh, right by Ella Boulevard uh, where the old Gerlins used to be. Um, and I worked there for Lloyd's Photography for five years. And then I started my own photography business in Old Town Spring. And man, I was booked six months in advance. I had 27 pages on a legal pad of people's names and phone numbers on every line of people just hoping for a cancellation so they could get into my studio. No education. Remember what I said? I was homeless. How you like me now? How you like me now? People came to have, I photographed Mathis Mack, Warren Moon, um, Miss Texas, uh, George Bush. Um, I mean, I photographed a lot of, uh, of Kelly Price. I did her book cover. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so yeah, I had, a, I had a good thing going on. I was successful, but something in my heart wasn't satisfied. I knew there was more. I had gotten saved and had gotten plugged into my, my um, church. My first pastor was uh, a cowboy-type uh, pastor, and he and his wife began to raise me up in the ministry. And man, I just got so full of God, I just I wanted to serve anywhere I could serve. Anywhere there was some place that, that needed to be needed somebody, I'd be like, me, 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 me. Well, it's for running the sound for the women's department. I'll do it. What do you know about sound? Nothing. Just teach me, and I can do it. <laughs> I raise my hand for everything. Needs to be painted. Ooh, ooh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever, whatever needed to be done, I was volunteering for it. Jack and I were on the same uh, uh, what was it, hospitality team. I served on a hospitality team. I served on the praise team. I, I uh, dressed the ponies, put, uh, what do you call them, saddles on the ponies at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and let kids ride ponies around in the round pit. Ponies are little demons in disguise. <laughs> they, are, they are evil. They're going to kick you, bite you. They're, they're, just don't, they can look cute. But I did that for a season, you know, and, and just served anywhere that I could. But then I got a word from God in 2003. I didn't think I had that much. I knew I wanted to always serve God, but I didn't know. I felt in my heart there was something more. But God stood me up and spoke a prophetic word over me that people would come from the north, the east, the south, and the west and sit at my feet. I would be able to give them God's word, that my life would be made glad. And all who came in contact with me, their lives also should be made, would be made glad. That was in 2003. I'm still taking pictures and coming to church. Still taking pictures and coming to church. But by 2005, I could not walk in that studio anymore and be satisfied. I said, my heart is not here anymore. And the moment I said that I'm ready to sell this place, the phone rang. And it was a woman who, who, who had uh, come uh, to my studio as a teenager. And I mentored her while she was at Spring High School in the photography department. And she, um, she said, my aunt wants to buy your studio. I heard you're selling your studio. I said, well, I just now decided, but yeah. She said, my aunt's been telling everybody she's going to buy your studio. So I think it's awesome that God already had raised up somebody to have a faith confession yeah. about buying my studio. Wow. So I said, well, tell your aunt to get down here because I believe this is God. Tell her, don't mess with me. 
I believe this is God, and this is the price I'm going to give it to her for. If she messed me, I'm going to double the price and put it on the market. But I believe this is God, and I'm going to give it to her for half price. She can have she can have everything but my cameras. I'm going to walk out with my cameras and my personal items. You can have the props, you can have the pictures, you can have the negatives, you can have the phone number, you can have it all. Who couldn't have made that work? So she bought the studio, and I was out of the, 30 days later, 30 days later, she had the keys, I had the money, and I was out of the targeting business, and I was in full-time ministry. Amen. I had stepped off of a perfectly good business and job into the uncertainty of the future of ministry. And lots of things have happened between now and then, but here I still stand. Amen. <laughs> here I still stand, and I believe we're ready to go to places that we've never uh, been to before, but... That's kingdom purpose. I had in my mind, you know, I was so grateful to just be a photographer. And I had fought my heart out to get there. But when you see the next level where you just fought to get to becomes bondage. Yeah. So somebody feels like that today, like you're in bondage where you are. You need to begin to look at that next level more. Begin to look at that purpose that you know that God has put inside you. Begin to look at it more. Begin to imagine. Begin to meditate. We talked about that last week. Amen. So the invisible kingdom of God, it exists right along with this seen world that we see. But the kingdom of God, the unseen realm is more real because everything in this realm was made from the unseen realm. Yeah. When there was nothing, it was all dark. God said, let there be light. And there was light. So everything that was made from into this realm was made from the unseen realm, the kingdom of God that's all around us. So our kingdom purpose, our predestined kingdom purpose is what we've got to get figured out. Amen? When you come to class, we're going we're gonna to help you figure out what your, what your kingdom gifts are so we can plug you in in the right place. So we're created for good works. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's own handiwork and his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. It's part of your prearranged destiny that you would live a good life. Come on and come out of that place where you've just been tolerating that mess. You've just been tolerating a level. You've been tolerating, you, we get to a place where we tolerate a certain level of garbage in our lives. Come on out of it and say, I'm, I'm leaving that behind and I'm moving forward, amen? amen. Into the good life. Good life. Would y'all put a big circle around that? Good life. Good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. But the kingdom purpose, that's part of our kingdom predestined purpose. Number four is God's plan and purpose is to prosper our lives for his glory. God wants to prosper you. He wants you to have a good life. He wants you to prosper. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So he's got plans to do what? Would you underline plans to prosper you? He has a plan to prosper you in your life. And we have to get in on it. We have to do our part. It's a choice. Job 36, 11 says, If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in and their years in pleasures. So we release the prosperity and pleasures of God in our life as we obey and serve him. That's part of our destiny. That's part of our purpose is to obey and serve him. And God puts a bonus and a reward on top of it. In God good. Amen. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. When we honor the Lord with our possessions, 
And with the first fruits of all of our increase, we tithe. We give the tenth part of our increase back to God. It already belongs to Him. Then we give offerings over and above. Look what happens. It releases the plenty in our lives. And God wants us to have plenty. Amen? We're declaring 2020 is plenty, plenty. Amen? Or plenty, plenty in 2020. He says, verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Amen? That we don't soar into barns or in vats anymore, but I like to say bank accounts. Amen? Plenty, plenty. All right? So number five, we have the right to choose purpose or reject it. Now, I don't know why anybody would want to reject purpose, but we have the right to choose it, and we have the right to reject it. So it's true that many people don't reach their kingdom uh, potential because of a lack of knowledge. They don't know. But rejecting knowledge is also a danger. You can know it and be rejecting it. You can know that God has called you to serve and to do things in the kingdom of God and to serve others in your church, but you can reject it and say, no, I don't feel like serving. I get up early every other day of the week. I get that. I get that. Having a true Sabbath every now and then, I get that. Our bodies need it. Our minds need it. We need to rest. We do. But there's a fulfillment in your life that you can only get through serving God in your set place. Amen. All right. So Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. So don't reject the knowledge that, that we have that God wants us to serve. Amen. Luke 7.30 says, but the Pharisees and experts in religious law did what? Rejected, Rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. That's, that's how God, the new thing had suddenly sprung, had come upon them, but they rejected it. They rejected it. They, they wouldn't do it. All right? So um, uh, look here at Matthew 19. Now, this is the, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, teacher, master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Listen to what he says. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And there is a cost. Yeah, there's a cost to, to service. Yeah, there's a cost to fulfilling destiny, to fulfilling purpose in you. There's a cost. I remember hearing Catherine Kuhlman say one day, if you've never seen Catherine Kuhlman in the 70s, she had a ministry where, I mean, the holy presence of God was so powerful around her. When she'd get on the elevator, people would fall out in the elevator just because the power and presence of God was so strong in her life. And there'd be great manifestations of the holy presence of God in her meetings. And um, she said, if you want to know the cost, if you really want to know the cost, it'll cost you everything. Everything. See, we, we are a generation that doesn't want to be bothered. We're a generation who can look at, at uh, uh, what's it called? On your phone when somebody calls, you know who it is? No, when somebody calls you. Caller ID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We call her ID. I, I don't have to be bothered with you. You know, we can, we can just sort of retreat into this, I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm on Facebook, but I'm not answering right now. Amen. So we have to we have to be willing to let it cost us something. Aren't you glad that Jesus paid the cost? Paid the price. So yeah, it's gonna cost. Serving and purpose. It's gonna cost. 
it's going to cost. Especially if you're in five-fold ministry, it's going to cost. But to whom much is given, much is required. Amen. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 30, 19-20, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And normally we stop right there, but here's the good part, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. Ephesians 5.17, don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Amplified says, therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Find out what, what are my gifts and talents. How does he want to use me? Fast until he talks to you. Amen. Proverbs 20 and verse 5, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Amen. Ecclesiastes 12.13. The last and final word is this. And this is the last of Ecclesiastes. As uh, Solomon, the wisest man in the world. This is the, this is the final, this is the final summation of everything that I've studied. It says the last and final word is this. Fear God and do what he tells you. And to fear God means to reverence, awe, respect. And yes, you ought to be afraid. We ought to be afraid that one day we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every Idle word will be judged for. By your words you'll be condemned and by your words you'll be justified. But for every idle word, men will give account. And women. Every idle word. We ought to be afraid. Not that we should be afraid of God, but we should be a little bit of afraid. Back in the day, folks were afraid. They were afraid to speak anything against God or to speak anything, you know, or to do anything that was out of line. We're so loose. We're so loose. Amen. <laughs> so a fear and awe, a, a respect and a reverence, it's kind of like your boss. You know, your boss, he or she, you treat them with a certain amount of respect. Why? Because they can fire you. Because they can fire you. <laughs> what? They're an authority over you. And, you know, they have the power to change your life. To give you a promotion or to, you know, to, to let you go. So, you, you know, you have to, um, you know, it'll cause you to keep your mouth shut when you want to go off. Because they're your boss, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it affects your behavior. All right, so number two, I'm going to talk about the fight for purpose. Yeah. I knew you'd be the poster child for this. Number one, purpose comes with a fight. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And we know he named, God called them both Adam. Adam called Eve Eve, but God called, called them both Adam. Look at Genesis chapter 4. Okay, verse 28. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. In other words, there's a fight. The fight to subdue it, the fight for dominion. You have dominion, but you have to rise up in it and prevail. Amen? Amen. It says, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. To subdue it means to overcome, quietness, bring under control, conquer, bring it to subjection, master it, prevail against it. 
So that tells you right there that it's going to be a fight. And you being a fighter and a warrior, that's part of your purpose. That's part of who you are. That's part of your DNA, that you're a conqueror, you're an overcomer. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And everybody who's born of God overcomes, amen? So if you're born of God, you're an overcomer. And you're a more than a conqueror, not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, amen? amen. Jeremiah 18, 3 through 4, listen to this. Jeremiah said, I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. It was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to, to make. Throughout scripture, we see people who God put their hands on and turned them into another vessel. When, when it speaks of the, the, the jar being marred in the hand of the, of the potter, you know, we go through things in life. We go through things even after we become a child of God. We're a vessel. We are vessels of honor for him, for him to fill up and to pour out into the earth. But we go through things. We go through stuff. We go through trials. We go through troubles. We go through stuff where you have to fight. And we're in the potter's hands. He takes that situation, and he causes it to turn you into a different vessel, a different person. He puts us in the center of the wheel. And, 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 and we shake against his hands for a minute while we're going through that. You know, the wheel spins around, and you put the clay in the middle, and you fight against his hands for a minute until you stop fighting him and let him smooth you out and begin to build you up, begin to make you into what he wants you to be. And then he begins to put his hands down inside and make a heart. That's the heart of the vessel. He's the one who looks down and sees what's in your heart. And he's remaking you for a brand new purpose. So when you come out, you're not going to look like you did before. Amen. Amen. You're going to look like a different person. Uh, I mean, I just look at Sister Kim, you know, on the phrase team. She, when, she came, when did you first come in back in again, I guess, about six, eight months ago? October, was it October? Yeah. And, you know, she wasn't glowing. She was just kind of here. But I'm telling you, God is remaking this woman of God. And I'm, every week I see her, she glows a little bit more. A little bit more. She, she's just a little more joy on her face, looking just hot as can be. Every week gets a little hotter. I mean, just, just, just beautiful. And it's wonderful to see. I, I see God doing a work in her, and I look for God to do great things, things that you maybe even have put on the shelf, things that you even said, I think I've given up on that. I think God's given up on that. I believe you're beginning to see a ray of hope again. I believe you're beginning to meditate on this. I believe you've taken it off the shelf and dusted it off, and you're beginning to see those things again. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to see a person marred, but in the hands of the potter, as he makes you into another vessel for his glory, for his use. It's a wonderful thing. You know the, the Bible is full, but you know she had to fight. We had lunch one day, and she was in a fight in her mind, a real war going on in her mind. And as we talked about this, and she's like, okay, okay. She just has a sweeter spirit. She's like, okay, I see that. All right. And then just those couple of things began to set her free so that she could begin to just literally bloom again. I got to move on, but I'm just so proud of Sister Kim. <laughs> Can y'all put your hands together for Sister Kim? Amen. So you see people through 
throughout the Bible rising from obscurity and into destiny, into purpose. Sarah and Abraham were just moon worshipers from earth. They were in their 70s, but God used them to create a nation. I mean, you would think in your 70s, God's got to be finished. Anything great I was going to do has got to be behind me, not so. God still had big plans. The nation of Israel is still a miracle. It's a miracle every single day. And then, of course, you think about Naomi and Ruth. Think about Naomi and Ruth. Naomi was a Jew. Ruth was a Gentile. But God put them together to come back into the land of God. You know, women who were just, that were broken. Life had broken them. Naomi's husband had died. And then both of her sons died. And all she's got left is this little raggedy daughter-in-law from Moab. She's just raggedy as she can be. She even tried to send her back home. She says, entreat me not to leave you. Nor to, uh, to stop from following after you. For where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. And your God shall be my God. For wherever you die there, I'm going to be buried also. I, I'm with you. She made a covenant with her. And she went into, into um, uh, Bethlehem with her, into, into Judah, into the land where bread had begun to flow again. But they were still penniless. They had nothing. But God began to go before them because there was great purpose in that little raggedy girl from Moab. From a land where they even, even um, uh, sacrificed their own children on the, on the altar to Chemosh, their false god. But God had a plan for this little girl, for this woman. God had a plan for her. And as they went back into to Israel, you know, they didn't have anything, so they got on the welfare of the day. I don't care if you're on welfare, food stamps, all of it. God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you in your life. Don't you hang your head in shame? Aren't you glad that Ruth didn't say, I don't do fields? Because she went into the fields and began to glean and pick up the scraps that were left behind and to take good care of her mother-in-law. And then Boaz saw her in the field and said, that girl is hot. And I've heard all about how virtuous she is, how she's taking care of Naomi, even though she doesn't have any sons to give her as, as, as a husband now. Because normally, you know, they would marry the daughter to the next son in line so that she could raise up children together. So you see, God had, had something that he was going to bring forth in her womb. She was going to have a baby named Obed. Obed was going to have a baby named Jesse. Jesse was going to have a baby named David, who would be the king of Israel. And through the king of Israel, Jesus Christ would come through. Because Jesus said, he is the root and the offspring of David. Hallelujah. So God had great purpose in this woman. But there was a fight. Come on, nobody wants to lose their husband. Nobody wants to lose their father, their father-in-law. Their... Nobody wants to lose a, a person. But sometimes along the way, there's, there's the, a fight that goes on. But God's going to make it work together for your good. Amen. You know, when you look at the whole lineage of, of uh, Jesus, when you look just at Boaz's mother was Rahab the harlot. We read about, about uh, Jericho and the walls falling down flat. Everybody's walls fell down except Rahab the harlot because she made a deal with him. Hey, you got to do something for me. If I'm going to hide y'all. Y'all have to do something for me. And she made a covenant with him. And so even though she was nothing but a skanky, God had a plan and a purpose in her life, amen, that she would become a princess in Israel and the great, 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 great grandmother of King David. Hallelujah. So God uses real people with real problems and issues to do great things. It's a fight. David was a shepherd boy turned king, a man after God's own heart, not perfect, but through an attack, a giant, David comes on the scene and is elevated. And people, um, people notice how you handle an attack. Y'all listen to me this morning. People notice how you handle an attack. 
You ought to thank God for the stuff you've had to fight because it grew you. Amen. It made you, it gave you some notoriety. The stuff you have to fight will grow you. People will talk about you. And people who've talked about you, people who've blocked you, people who've left you and betrayed you. He taught you how to fight in those times. Think about all the people who walked off and left you. Think about the people who, who talked about you. Think about it all. But you made it through. Amen? And, I'm, I, and don't think that the fight is over. Amen? Because people are always going to be in human flesh and the devil's always going to be busy. There's going to be a fight. Amen? But you just keep on walking. But you know, when you get in a fight, that's when you, you figure out who you really are. Until you've been tested, you don't know who you are. You just got a theory. But when you get dropped in the grease, that's when you know who you are. That's when what's in you comes out. Yeah. Amen. So you've got to be tested. And your purpose is in the fight. Your purpose is to fight. So 1 Timothy 6.12 says what? Fight the good fight of faith. You know what? It's time for people to choose a side and fight. Too many people laying around being depressed. Too many people laying around. Too many people laying around talking about. Too many people laying around. It's time to get in the fight. Psalm 144.1, Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Psalm 18, 32-34, is, is, is not this the God who armed me, then aimed me in the right direction? Now I run like a deer. I'm king of the mountain. He shows me how to what? Come on, y'all, you need to fight. Psalm 18, 36-39, it says, You cleared the ground under me so my footing was firm. When I chased my enemies, I caught them. I didn't let go till they were dead men. I nailed them. They were down for good. Then I walked all over them. You armed me well for this fight. Amen. Esther was an orphan girl who just chose to fight. She chose to, 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 to go along with the flow to get in where she had to get in and to act right and behave right. And that goes a long way right there when you're in the fight. That you act right. But she became queen, and she was willing to fight for her nation. It was part of her purpose, but she had to choose to fight. Amen. Amen. She had to choose to fight, and you've got to choose to fight, to get up and fight. Number two, we have to fight the fight of processing time for purpose. Because if you won't be like me, I thought the minute Fred Price spoke over my life, I said, okay, worldwide ministry, let's go. Let's go. Lord's just going to roll out the red carpet. Them doors are just going to come flying open. Amen, amen. I'm ready for it to happen. <laughs> I was ready, but I wasn't ready. God had lots of work um, to do, and, and part of the fight is to process time. When things are taking longer than you think they ought to take. Y'all better hear me right now. Things are taking longer than you think they ought to take. Things are taking longer than you think they ought to take. You can't have it too soon. This is the fight of time, the, sign, the, the fight of processing time. You know, David, you're going to be king, but not today. All right. Not today. And I, I think it's like 20 years he, he chased Saul, and Saul chased him around in the wilderness. And he, said, he did not ever touch God's anointed. That's one thing we have to be so careful of, is that even though we're anointed, even though we know we're anointed, we don't ever touch God's anointed before it's our turn to ascend. Because once you sow that kind of seed, you're going to reap it the rest of your ministry. 
Don't touch God's anointed. Amen. Don't do things out of order. Ecclesiastes. See, see, if you make a blessing, you'll miss one. If you make yourself, if you make a blessing of your own, you're going to miss one. Let God bring it to you in his timing. Amen. You can't have it too soon. Timing is everything. And each, each battle brings you to another level. Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. See, I haven't fought so many fights. I'm just cool. I'm just cool, really, because I've already fought so many kinds of fights. I mean, I know, you know, I, I'm not asking for a fight. I'm not looking for one, but I'm ready for one should it arrive. Amen. But I, you, you get to where you've fought so many fights with God that you know you can trust him. And you know you're going to be okay. Amen. That it's going to work together for your good. So to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. First Samuel 1.20. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel. So when Hannah, what was different, when Hannah went home, she was still barren, but she had, to, she had learned to process time. In the process of time, it still took time, it doesn't say how much time, but in the process of time, she did conceive and she did fulfill the purpose of, of having that child, Samuel. Um, amen. So praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word, Lord. We give you praise. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's been skillful.